It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. For a few years now, someone who I trusted to follow me on my personal Instagram account has been consistently informing the Sun newspaper of my private posts and stories. It started as an intriguing tweet that quickly went viral. Footballer's wife, Colleen Rooney, had had enough of stories about her being leaked to the media. After a long time of trying to figure out who it could be for various reasons, I had a suspicion. Over the past five months, I've posted a series of false stories to see if they made their way into Sun newspaper. And you know what? They did. Having conducted her own investigation... With a flourish, she announced the big, public, Agatha Christie-like reveal. I've saved and screenshotted all the original stories, which clearly show that just one person has viewed them. It's Rebecca Vardy's account. It was a tale that caught the country's imagination. In pubs and bars and over dinner tables, everyone had an opinion. But what started off as an entertaining tale soon had more serious consequences. I had severe anxiety attacks, so I felt like I couldn't go out without people just looking at me. Now, the former friends and rival wags are locked in a million-pound legal battle. As their case is dragged through the courts, what can we learn about modern celebrity from the Battle of the Wags? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, Wagatha Christie in the High Court. Now then, last year there was a fallout in the WAG world which caught everyone's attention. She's been described as a modern-day Scooby-Doo for her investigative work. And the battle continues nine months on. Rebecca Vardy has announced this week that she plans to sue Colleen Rooley for defamation in a case reported to be worth £1 million. Whatever the truth, this has been a very public war of the WAGs in a world where the old saying, any publicity is good publicity, still holds true. When the wives and girlfriends of England football players, or WAGs as they became known, formed a new celebrity tribe, they filled gossip columns and magazines. What they wore, where they lunched, every time they nipped out for a coffee, everything would draw the paparazzi. One person who watched the phenomenon explode was Rebecca Toomey. I'm a showbiz and entertainment journalist. 
I was news editor at Closer for seven years. So I followed the Colleen Rooney and Rebecca Vardy case incredibly closely. And I still am at my job at News UK. For most people who are coming to this without that much background knowledge, just talk me through the cast of characters. Well, Colleen Rooney is is really known as as the Queen Wag. Of course, there's people like Victoria Beckham, but she's sort of not so linked to football in the way she used to be. And Colleen Rooney has sort of, we've seen her grow up. We first saw her photographed at 15 years old in her school uniform. So she's sort of synonymous with football and with Wayne. And she was in that sort of iconic wag era. Rebecca Vardy wasn't as well known and still isn't. It sort of put Rebecca quite on the map because Rebecca really only became notorious on her I'm a Celebrity stint in 2017. So you've got two sort of quite different routes into fame, but they're the two main characters in this saga. Their husbands are basically on the sidelines. It's it's very much between the two women. What are they like as characters? I would say they're, they're very inspiring women for a particular demographic. Colleen, like I said, she's been under scrutiny from since she was 15. So she's actually very grounded. She's got a very close-knit family. She's incredibly close to her parents. She holidays with them all the time. She hasn't got a nanny. She has these, you know, four boys. She's a very down-to-earth girl, sort of contradictory when you're talking about wags. But you can see that Colleen's still this very lovely, warm girl. She has very loyal friends. She's still friends with most of the people she went to school with. The other wags that she's friends with sort of really protect her privacy. And she's very well-respected and liked and she is seen as as queen of the wags and she doesn't have these public spats there's no history of her falling out with anyone publicly before even when there's been quite a few allegations against her husband Wayne Rooney's behavior she's never really commented publicly only once has she in a very sort of I think balanced and fair Facebook post when her marriage is under scrutiny she tends to remove her wedding ring for a little bit which I think is quite a passive gentle way to make her point without dragging too many people or humiliating herself. And she usually behaves with dignity. So this is why it's just so shocking that it's exploded into this row, shall we say, because it's sort of almost unclean like to do that. Whereas on the other hand, Rebecca Vardy, Jamie Vardy's wife, has, has battled through quite a tough start. She was sexually abused when she was 12. She claimed her mother didn't believe her at the time. She was 16 um, and was homeless. She had a really, really hard time. So Rebecca's got this quite tough exterior, which is hardly surprising considering what she's been through. And she's come into fame a lot later as, you know, as an adult woman. It was only really when Jamie became this Premier League top goal scorer around 2016, and then she went on to do I'm a Celebrity, that she really became quite a prominent figure. She did do a lot of media appearances and interviews. And also she was quite an advocate for body positivity. She liked to show off her, we say real body in inverted commas, but it's called a mum tum. Really, she's just showing off what she looks like after having a baby. She could take a lot of criticism. So she's quite a strong lady. How did they become friends? Was it through their husbands? It was through their husbands. And the footballing world is obviously very small. It it comes across as quite glamorous to some people, but actually being the wife or a partner of a footballer, with all those millions, it's hard to say it's tough, but it's quite a difficult world to enter into because it's very close knit and you have a lot of media scrutiny. You don't know who to trust. A lot of these women say that they can't trust their old friends who are selling stories on them. You don't know who to trust in your inner circle, who could be betraying you. And also there's the other side of how short a footballer's career is and going through things that if their partner gets injured, no one else understands what that, what that's like apart from the other wives and girlfriends. In a way, you've talked about sort of their closeness. Just talk us through that 
you know, it became like a cultural phenomenon for a little while. Talk me through WAG culture. Well, it's very different now to what it was before. You know, in the bad and bad in days, you had Abby Clancy, you had Cheryl Cole, you had Victoria Beckham. It was before reality TV was really a big thing and we had influencers and all these reality stars we do now. There weren't so many of these quick routes to fame. You didn't need to have a talent. You could just marry someone famous and then become famous. And this is that whole WAG era that it was when weekly magazines were in their infancy and news moved at a very different pace. We didn't all have smartphones. So the only way we could really get a taste of this other lifestyle was through these WAGs and was through these very glamorous women whose husbands had phenomenal salaries and really exciting careers. And, you know, it's not very modern, but these women didn't have to work and they had these exceptionally glamorous lives. So when Colleen and Rebecca were still friends, what was that friendship like and what were their lives like? I don't think the two of them were best friends, shall we say, but I think they moved in the same circles. And Rebecca Vardy said herself, you know, I really liked you a lot, Colleen. You know, there was a lot of respect because of Colleen as a girl's girl and and she supported a lot of the other wags. She's nice to everyone. It was just an understanding of what it's like to be each other's position and there's a mutual respect. I don't think the two of them went shopping because they didn't really live near each other, but I think it was when they saw each other at events or matches, they definitely would chat to each other. It was more like a kind of colleague that you liked. Well, in 2019, that relationship changed it hit a very sour note when Colleen began to suspect someone was selling stories from her private Instagram account. So a lot of celebrities have their main Instagram account and Twitter, which is public, so anyone can follow them and anyone can see what they post in their pictures. And then they tend to have a private account where they only select friends and family and you know people close to them to follow them. And this is the account which Colleen would share personal details. And she suspected somebody who followed her was selling stories. So, Colleen Rooney began to lay a trap by planting false stories on her personal Instagram account. In my opinion, they were very lightweight when you think about the information someone like Rebecca would have on Colleen. But the stories that were sold were about a flooded basement that Colleen wanted to do strictly and that she was going to Mexico for gender selection. These are very sort of tabloid fodder, and these these are sort of the bread and butter that information journalists buy from sources. And there's been so much speculation about Colleen wanting a girl. If she posted it on her Instagram, her private Instagram, someone who followed her was selling that information to the sun. How did she sort of try to work out where the information was coming from? Well, what she did is she isolated who could actually see her Instagram stories. And she worked out that it was Rebecca Vardy's account, which was the only account who saw those stories, and then drew the conclusion that Rebecca was selling that information to the son, which Rebecca completely denies. She put this statement out on social media saying that, you know, she'd been going through this for five months and that it was Rebecca Vardy's account. She went public immediately. Tell me about the fallout. It was really shocking that Colleen did it. And I'm still shocked because mild-mannered Colleen, who's very, very rarely spoken out in recent times, she put a very public statement saying it was Rebecca Vardy's account that had sold these stories about her and she suspected it for a long time. And what was the fallout amongst the WAGs? I mean, how did Rebecca Vardy respond? 
Rebecca immediately defended herself, as anyone would if you believe you're innocent. And then they had this phone call. I believe that was the last time the two women spoke one-on-one. But Rebecca was seven months pregnant at the time. She was on holiday in Dubai and she posted on social media. She said, Colleen, I wish you'd called me if you thought this, you know, months ago. If you believed I was selling stories on you, you could have picked up the phone and told me then I could have investigated it. But instead, you carried on trying to catch me out. And what Rebecca's defence was that she said, you know, lots of people have access to her Instagram account. So it could have been anyone who accesses her Instagram account. And then what makes me feel sad is that Rebecca said, you know, I liked you a lot, Colleen. And you can see her hurt that she's so shocked. But then really what happened is it did snowball. Colleen has this very big following. And Rebecca Vardy was getting death threats. Jamie, her husband, was receiving a lot of abuse. I mean, horrific things like we hope your baby dies. You know, incredibly extreme and hurtful things. And Rebecca's spoken about the anxiety and the mental torture she was put under with this abuse aimed at her for something she very much feels she did not do. How did this become a legal problem? Well, Rebecca said herself, she wants to defend herself and she says she didn't do this. So she sued Colleen for libel. She has a £900,000 budget. She's claimed that it's caused her mental and physical distress. It meant that her family could no longer go to Leicester City Games, which is where Jamie plays. And initially, Colleen countersued for breach of privacy. But she later dropped this. And the reports at the time suggested it was Colleen felt it was in bad taste during the pandemic because so many people were struggling financially. But what's interesting is around this time, Colleen also changed lawyers. So there were mutterings that maybe they felt like Colleen couldn't actually win. In a moment, The Times' legal editor explains the ins and outs of the court case. But first... Hi, this is Tom Whipple, and I'm the science editor at The Times. Thank you for listening. By doing so, you enable me to keep pace with the rapidly changing developments in the coronavirus pandemic and more. To enjoy more remarkable stories every day, subscribe to The Times and The Sunday Times today and get one free month. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss.
I'm Jonathan Ames. I'm the legal editor at the Times newspaper. Jonathan sat down with our editor, Poppy Damon, to discuss the legal side of the story. It's a straightforward libel case or defamation case. Rebecca Vardy is suing Colleen Rooney for defamation because she claims that Rooney has said that she has leaked private and confidential information about her, which she claims she didn't do. Recent reports have suggested that Colleen Rooney has had a victory at a hearing earlier this month. But what's actually been happening? Rebecca Vardy had applied to the court to strike out, which is the sort of legal terminology for asking the judge to to throw out, to dismiss some of the um, defences Rooney would have put to the court. And the judge has recently agreed that Rooney can rely on certain elements of her defence, but not others. So it was a bit of a score draw, really. I mean, it was portrayed in the newspapers as a a win for Rooney, which I suppose it, it might marginally be. The judge effectively agreed that Rooney could rely on some of her defence, but not other parts of her defence. And she, I mean, she effectively, in the most recent ruling, Rooney argued that, that Vardy is behind the secret wag diary that's in, that runs in the sun on Sunday. And Rooney's argued that she should be able to rely and enter into, into her defence and enter into court that her suspicion that Vardy is behind that column. Her argument for doing that is that if it is established that Vardy is that columnist, then it provides a strong sort of support to her argument, to Rooney's overall argument, that Vardy is the type of person who deals in salacious gossip about footballers and their wives. And that falls into the idea that the ultimate defence of defamation is that the thing you said was true. Exactly. I mean, as you rightly say, the ultimate defence to defamation is what is called in in law justification or truth. In other words, that you may have said something that is very unpleasant about someone. You may call someone a shoplifter or a thief or whatever. But provided that is true, that that you can't be, you know, it's defamatory but true, and therefore you can't be sued in libel. There are other defences to defamation, but that's the that's that's the most uh, that's the most watertight. Now, I'm going to ask you, I guess, about what this reveals about our court system, because it does feel like, on the outside, a sort of fallout between two friends that's now getting a lot of sort of time and resource. What do you take from it that we have these high net worth individuals fighting these sort of reputational disputes in our system? I suppose the interesting thing about this case, really, is that more recently, there's been an absolute paucity of sexy libel trials in the in the English courts. I mean, there was a 20 years ago, they weren't necessarily two a penny, but there were many more. And there's been legislation to, it's designed to steer people away from the courts and towards settlement. Significantly interesting point about this case is that, is that it's happening at all. It's got to court. I suppose one would have thought that it would have settled a long time ago. And indeed, arguably, it would have been better for both parties if it had settled because it, uh, it's, <laughs> it's rather embarrassing for both sides the way it's panning out in court. And finally, where does it go from here? Could it still settle out of court? What what kind of direction could it go in? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the short answer is the old cliche, the trial continues, because the recent ruling was just part of the process of the trial. It will now continue to a, you know, a full hearing of the evidence, but it could settle at any stage. Well, whilst that trial continues, the WAGs will continue to be in the spotlight. Jamie Vardy's team and Wayne Rooney's team are desperate to distance themselves from what's going on between these two women. That's Rebecca Toomey again. 
because it doesn't reflect brilliantly. But then it's it's a slightly different audience. I mean, somebody is going to buy trainers that Wayne Rooney wears or a watch that Jamie Vardy has. It isn't the same audience who's going to buy into this case. I wouldn't say it's harmful, but remember that these people have huge teams, crisis management teams, lawyers that are looking after every detail. So they're not going to let this jeopardise Wayne or Jamie's income. And how have their husbands reacted? Wayne has stayed very private from it. He hasn't really responded to very much. Whereas Jamie made much more of a sort of public show of support. Soon after, you know, Rebecca would break down in tears and you'd see a picture set of of them holding hands. They've, They've done a very unified response. He's liked her tweets when she's responded to things. But then Wayne, I think it almost as an olive branch, Wayne praised Jamie in his Sunday Times column. He said, I know some people may be surprised that, you know, I wish... Jamie was in Gareth Southgate's squad. But this is my honest opinion. Jamie is still a brilliant player, despite the legal case between my wife and Jamie's wife. Probably the two of them are saying, you know, just let it go. Has there been much response from the other wags and, and other footballers? The thing with media is they like to pit women against each other. And sadly, Colleen and Rebecca have set this all up for themselves. Even Robbie Williams, no, nothing to do with the football world, said, you know, this is a dangerous game. Piers Morgan has thrown support behind Rebecca saying she's got no reason to betray Colleen. You know, she doesn't even need the money. And Rebecca, in some ways, this feels almost like sort of a, a story from a slightly different world because, you know, we've just had the Euros and at no point during the entire contest did the the wives or girlfriends of the footballers become a story. Has all of that changed? Have, have we sort of seen the back of WAG culture? There's still interest in the WAGs, but they're not the same. You haven't got Victoria Beckham, who was, you know, more famous than David Beckham when they got together. She was a Spice Girl. And Abby Clancy was this model who was on Britain's Next Top Model. They don't seem to have the same big personalities. But I think they were at the time also a distraction to the game itself, which is why they were banned from certain tournaments. I actually would say that I think reality TV and social media has changed everything. And the WAG lifestyle isn't as desirable because you don't have to marry someone now to become famous and to have access to all this money. And does it tell us quite a lot about how the culture of this England football team has changed too? You know, we've sort of seen the Gareth Southgate effect. You know, when these footballers are in the news, it tends to be for a campaign to help others rather than, you know, because they're falling out of nightclubs or they're buying really expensive designer goods. Is this a different football team? I, I hope it is because obviously the wonderful and amazing things Marcus Rashford has done is truly inspiring and way more interesting than someone falling out of a nightclub. But I hope it's changed and I think we're much more aware. But I still don't think you can change the human desire to have this pantomime and public execution. We need a villain and we need a hero constantly. And there is this element of enjoying seeing people unhappy. And I'm not saying that's the right thing. I think this Colleen and Rebecca case and the appetite we've had for it shows how excited and interested people still are in the negative. And Rebecca, is that ever difficult for you as a female journalist, watching the media sort of playing off two women to sort of feed this narrative of pantomime villain and a hero? It's something I've really battled with because obviously as a woman, you you want to think you're pro-women, but I'm sure there's lots of celebrities who could 
criticize me for the articles I've written for the audience I'm writing for. But all I would say to people is, you know, to be a journalist, it's not easy. It's hard work. And I had to go where the work was. And the appetite for celebrity is insane. And it's kept me employed for nearly 20 years. I only write for the demand because as a journalist, you're reactive to what people want. But it is something I I try and balance. And I hope I report with integrity and with fairness. You know, we've talked about how the culture of football seems to be changing. Also, the younger generation, you know, millennials and younger, they seem sort of more interesting causes sometimes than they are in personalities. I know Love Island is obviously an example of that not being true. But do you think the way we cover women in the spotlight, do you think that might change? I think it's changing. I think it's going to take time. And I think every person, what we click on, what we read can change that. But yes, I do think there's a massive opportunity and and desire for the representation of women to change. And I think we can all try together to do that, and, and me included. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, legal editor of The Times, Jonathan Ames, and showbiz and entertainment journalist, Rebecca Toomey. The producers today were Chris Wade and Poppy Damon, and sound design was by Falcon Kisseltuk. If there's a story you'd like us to look into, any ideas for future episodes, or if you have any thoughts on what you've just heard, then do get in touch. You can email us at storiesofourtimes at thetimes.co.uk. See you next week. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,